Welcome to Urban Forum Northwest with your host, Eddie Raya Jr. Uh, we have a number of people going to be speaking with today. We have a very important meeting coming up at 5.30 for those folks who are trying to participate uh, in the Infrastructure and Jobs Act money and the, the Justice 40 Act that I just found out about. It's going to pro- supposed to provide opportunities uh, to deal with pollution in impacted areas, which is the Black community, more than likely. But anyway, my first guest is uh, Bob Armstead, president of uh, the Washington State Chapter of the National Association of Minority Contractors, and Mr. Lyle Kwasim, who is uh, the chair of the Tacoma Pierce County Black Collective, well-known individual. As a matter of fact, I have a guest on the latter part of the program, and I see Lyle Kwasim as one of the elders that will be inducted <clears throat> into uh, the Hall of Fame by uh, <laughs> uh, the North- Northwest African American Museum on Sunday. So congratulations, uh, and uh, Lanisha DeBarlebin, the president and CEO of the Northwest African American Museum, will be on the latter part of the program to talk about you, brother. So I just want I, 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 won't, I won't miss it. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good thing. So uh, let's go to Bob. Bob, uh, there is a meeting this afternoon about the National Association of Minority Contractors of Washington State chapter, and you've been having meetings with uh, Congressman Adam Smith and other folks getting clarity about the intent and the impact of the uh, jobs and infrastructure, the Infrastructure and Jobs Act. We also got the Justice 40 Act. So why don't you take a couple of minutes and explain to uh, me and also to our listeners exactly what these acts are and who can be covered by them and how can they participate? Okay, thank you, Eddie. Um, Start by... uh reading from a directive that was issued from the White House. What is the Justice 40 initiative? For the first time in our nation's history, the federal government has made it a goal that 40% of overall benefits of certain federal investments flow to disadvantaged communities that are marginalized, underserved, and overburdened by pollution. President Biden made this historic commitment when he signed Executive Order 14008 within days of taking office. Uh, Further, what kind of investments fall within the Justice 40 initiative? The categories of investment are climate change, clean energy and energy efficiency, clean transit, affordable and sustainable housing, training and workforce development, remediation and reduction of legacy pollution, and the development of critical clean water and wastewater infrastructure. Uh, To me, that's just about everything. Farther, so I can get this unfastened in the little time we have, A national commitment to environmental justice of this magnitude has never been made before. To meet the goal of the Justice 40 initiative, the administration is transforming hundreds of federal programs across the government to ensure that disadvantaged communities receive the benefits of new and existing federal investments in these categories through the President's Inflation Reduction Act, the Bipartisan Infrastructure Law, and the American 
rescue plan, federal agencies are making historic levels of investment to advance environmental justice. This investment will help confront decades of underinvestment in disadvantaged communities and bring critical resources to communities that have been overburdened by legacy pollution and environmental hazards. Bob, let me ask you a question right quick. Has any of that money come to Washington State? My unofficial answer is I'm sure it has. Because when you look at the categories of programs, uh, the federal government is funding our wastewater systems, our water system, our transportation, our housing. You go down the list. And all of these new and existing programs are now under this Justice 40 initiative. I have not been able to find, and that's part of the problem that we have here in Washington State with the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act and the Inflation Reduction Act. We know monies have been allocated to Washington State. As an example, $5.9 billion have already been allocated under the Infrastructure Act. Now, There's my next question the, is, how, what kind of participation did members of the National Association of Minority Contractors or Black contractors in Washington State have out of that $5 billion plus dollars? We cannot only uh, not identify that, we cannot identify specific benefits to any of our communities. We have been working for the last seven months. We've had uh, officials from the Department of Commerce, the Department of Transportation, the Small Business Administration, and others come to our meetings. And we have asked for that specific information. We have yet to receive it. We know that the money has been allocated. We know that some of the money's here. We know that some of the money has been spent. We have been unable to get any of those ages to agencies to specifically identify for us the specific projects in our communities or the specific spin that has gone to our contractors. Now, I want to ask uh, the, 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 uh, uh, the mayor of Pierce County, <laughs> who is chair of Tacoma Pierce County Black Collective, if any money has come through uh, that area, I know that somebody from the Tacoma Pierce County Black Collective would know. So, uh, Mr. Chairman Lau Kwasim, are you aware of uh, any of the money coming to Pierce County? And if so, are you aware of any black or minority contractors or women contractors participating in that economic plan? The two short answers, if I can give you two short answers, if you allow me a minute to, to, to flush those out, are no and no. And, and here is what um, I, I would also like to add. Uh, as a uh, longtime uh, public service uh, person engaged in uh, bureaucratic, and I mean it in a positive way, uh, uh, activities, when the president signs a, an executive order, um, it is um, a requirement of the executive branch of government to execute the order. 
And the order is pretty clear as Bob read it. So there needs to be methods of administration by various federal agencies to comply with the executive order. Now, um, we also know that um, that the feds work through uh, state governments. They usually have a single state agency that they will work with for various different categories of federal projects. Now, given that the order was signed, given that it was by the executive branch of government, given that there has to be methods of administration in order to execute the order, there has to be people in the state of Washington who know about this and who are in the process of executing. Now, uh, and I don't want to take this personally, but I've been in conversations with many of those individuals from uh, the Department of Enterprise Services to um, uh, the Department of Transportation. I I attended a NAMAC uh, uh, conference. Those folks were there. And no one has said one word one about this. Um, and so either it's an executive order that uh, uh, was thrown in a trash can, and I don't think that's the case, or the executive order was um, uh, administrative procedures were developed in order to execute the order. And I, it's for the life of me, I'm, I'm not sure why we don't know about this uh, and have not been in communication with uh, people in the state of Washington about uh, what methods of administration they've used in order to uh, comply with the executive order. Well, all I can say is that if people uh, attend uh, the NAMAC meeting uh, at five o'clock, I'm sure that we'll probably have some some more answers and more input from some of the actual members who are contractors and check with some of them. But I'm sure we'd be hearing somebody uh, popping some champagne bottles somewhere if they had hit any of the contracts. But uh, folks just been drinking Diet Coke lately, so... <laughs> Uh, so it's not and, looking and, good. And Eddie, if, if if I might, so people can understand the magnitude of this program. Uh, and again, this is from federal government. There are seven areas of federal investments covered by the Justice 40 initiative. On August 18, 2022, the White House announced USDOT's official Justice 40 covered programs list. USDOT currently has 39 programs across five modes, totaling $204 billion. 40% of $240 billion is a lot of money. Uh, As far as I know, I have not been able to identify 1% of that. Well, it's, uh, you know, it's like, uh, I guess we'll also have uh, uh, Brother Charles Wilson from the Department of Enterprise Services on uh, the agenda for uh, this uh, NEMC meeting uh, later this afternoon. And they have a program they're going to be trying, and I'm willing to give anybody a chance to try anything. But uh, uh, some of the the requirements, you know, like having to be in business for four years, it's hard uh, in my community uh, when you've uh, in 2021, we did 0.18% with the state. And even after Governor Esley signed his uh, executive order in January 2022, uh, at the end of the year, blacks did 0.22%. So I'm just saying with those kind of numbers, uh, we can't look at a whole bunch of folks that haven't been in business for four years unless they were doing something private. 
Now, I know uh, Larry Sampson got the painting company. His father was one of the original members of uh, the Central Contractors Association back in the 60s, where actually, I guess, the Seattle uh, Central Contractors Association worked closely with uh, the founders of uh, NAMC, founded in Oakland, like the Black Panther Party was, uh, because Joe Debra, one of the founders, had a consulting firm with Willie Allen, who was the president of Central Contract, on 21st and Union. They owned the building. And uh, I worked on a, a federal railroad contract, courtesy of uh, Gary Gayton, who was with Brock Adams. Yeah, he was a White House liaison when Brock Adams was the Secretary of Transportation. So uh, we do have that connectivity. Unfortunately, though, we've not had, and Rob, I'd like to have you speak. We have uh, all these different equity offices set up. And when you look at the numbers, they're just not there. What is your, uh, I'd just like to get your perspective on uh, the low level of participation and what will it take? I mean, we finally, uh, you put together an excellent uh, Department of Justice complaint with 22 individuals, uh, include members of the clergy, the NAACP and uh, Snohomish King and Pierce County, um, many of the clergy leaders, bishops, uh, business owners, and then Merrick Garland gets a complaint and sends it over to uh, the Department of Transportation. So, I, you know, I, I, he was going to be a candidate for Supreme Court. But Mr. Garland, you got to understand that uh, racism don't have nothing to do with wheels rolling down the street. So, uh, you know, uh, the, the wheels in DOT have been rolling over us and we've not been driving the bus. So uh, I'm really hoping that uh, in the next couple of weeks, the Congressional Black Caucus will be meeting the 20th through the 24th, and I will personally uh, try to motivate some of those members to put a little heat on Mary Garland to get justice for us back here. We just celebrate the 60th anniversary of the August 28th, uh, 1963 March on Washington, D.C. for jobs and justice. 60 years later, we have the same plight and the same issues. So hopefully uh, we have a lot more members, and uh, Black members in Congress now, and also some sympathetic other members of color who are back there, some of them facing the same challenges, but uh, African descent of the United States enslaved don't have access to offshore money. Uh, we don't have come from countries with airlines and stuff. We did originally, but when we came over here, we did, all they had was boats. <laughs> so anyway, uh, I'm just hoping that, uh, that we can get some participation. And Bob, like you're right, we need to get some answers, you know, uh, and I'm glad that you're, you know, you, you've been hosting these monthly meetings with folks and bringing in the people who are making the decision makers. And uh, we're just hoping that someone is uh, going to do something that's going to be positive. Uh, and so I think it's a good thing for folks to participate in that meeting. The uh, website is N-A-M-C-W-A-N-A-M-C-W-A.com. And uh, Bob, is there any information you want to give about the meeting before we go to another gentleman from, from Tacoma who's uh, doing fantastic things over there? That's Corbett Mosley, he's on the line right now. So, Bob, why don't you give us that input? Uh, yes, for the, the meeting today at 5 o'clock, NAMCWA.com, uh, it's very important for everyone in the community uh, to participate in these meetings uh, because as our communities go economically is the way that they go. Uh, without businesses and jobs, you do not have the housing, the churches have to move because the populations have to move. 
But I want to say one thing real quickly about your comment about the Justice Department. It took an action in Georgia to get Maryland, Merrick Garland off the dime in terms of the uh, charges on the January 6th uh, situation. Hopefully your, your contacts with the uh, Congressional Black Caucus and others uh, can have that same kind of impact that will get him off the dime on our complaint. All right. So we, I want you guys to hang on because this gentleman here has something that can really help some people. Corvette Mosley uh, is a publisher of Opportunity Link. It's a publication committed to fostering economic opportunity advancing equitable community investment across Puget Sound. So Corbett, the uh, uh, the Opportunity Link is off off of the pre- uh, the press right now. It's hot uh, off the press. Yes, it'll be striggered <laughs> up and down the I five quarter. So why don't you go ahead and and uh, inform uh, Chairman Lyle Quasim and Chairman Barb Armstead on exactly what you're doing to help bring about opportunities for our community. A- a- absolutely, and I'm 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 excited to be on um, uh, with with y'all. Um, how you doing, Lyle? Um, how you doing, Bob? Um, uh, so, Eddie, this is a publication. Uh, this is I- I've done publications before. I've done newspaper format, magazine format, but never this particular topic, and never with this um, wide of a spread. So, this is a new publication. Uh, it just dropped this past week. Um, we have already distributed up and down the I-5 corridor in Thurston, Pierce, and King County. Um, our first run, we did 10,000 copies, uh, and they uh, are available at um, barbershops, Black-owned businesses, um, community and cultural centers, as well as uh, your local Safeway um, uh, when you're getting groceries. A couple of restaurants and those kinds of things, too. And this publication is really about economic opportunity. So there's information in the publication and people can go to the website too. It's olink.news. But it's all about careers, being able to secure leadership positions, um, funding that's available um, that comes out through RFPs through different state agencies like DCYF or um, WashDOT or Department of Commerce, um, and particularly funding that's available uh, from the community reinvestment fund. So we're really, I'm really focused on getting out that information from the 17 different grant programs that uh, are coming out over the next two years to deal with the social, racial, and economic disparities caused by the war on drugs. So this this $200 million pot from the community reinvestment fund um, will has to be spent in the, over the next two years and is really targeted to the black community. Um, so in the paper every month, we'll put out a monthly addition. Uh, it will have what um, RFPs are available, what opportunities are available, subsidized lending. Um, but there's also other ways that we wanted to kind of share information out. So there's um, different networking events, um, different associations that are available where people can kind of get engaged and learn how to network and to kind of get get the ball rolling on different opportunities, uh, as well as some local news, like highlighting certain kind of stories of interest related to opportunity, related to um, what the phenomenal work that people are doing. So I'm really excited about this publication uh, it, and, and, you know, uh, would love to kind of keep getting good content from people that are sending in stories and different leads on um, opportunities that can benefit our community. Now, you mentioned uh, the $200 million. Uh, I was curious to know uh, who qualifies 
to participate that. And it says uh, it was uh, to eliminate and give people opportunities so that they can have an op uh, a chance to live a straight life as opposed to deviating into something that's going to be illegal. So exactly how does that work? How can someone apply? How can someone get information about the $200 million? Yeah, and let, let me let me be clear. This is That part is, is a little bit of a nuanced thing. And I know that you just mentioned about someone you know, this idea that uh, the, uh, war, the, the war on drugs impacted the black community disproportionately. Um, the funding is not just targeted to, to individuals who have been impacted, who have like been incarcerated or um, been contacted with, uh, been involved with the justice system. It's really targeted to the black community as a whole. So the research project that we did with Department of Commerce really took a more broader look at community harm as opposed to individual harm. And so a target recipient of those funds for the 200 million isn't necessarily someone that was involved with the justice system. It's targeted to the black community um, in terms of uh, those resources. And so the way that those 17 different programs will roll out, some of them are going to our social service um, kinds of uh, programs. So violence reduction, reentry services, legal assistance, those come out through providers that do that kind of work and then they target the resources in that way. But most of the money from the from the community reinvestment fund, about 130 million, is targeted to economic opportunity. And that that shows up in the form of like uh, subsidized lending, uh, matched savings accounts, and different kinds of opportunities to grow your business, start a business, um, purchase a particular asset like a house or those kinds of things. And so the, uh, the, a larger pot of that fund is really targeted to economic opportunity. And so, and that information is in this publication. If you pick it up, you know, sometime this week at your local barbershop. Uh, and if you find a barbershop that we're not engaged with, I'll, I'll you know, uh, uh, I'll make sure that I can uh, get a note and try to get some there, but you should be able to pick one up at your local Safeway. So you have a, a a large staff to take care of the distribution and everything. We uh, so I contracted out a couple of staff, but I went out there myself. Uh, I also have three boys too. <laughs> so so uh, they have uh, jobs so, now. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, also leveraging um, you know groups that I'm that I've been engaged with for o over twenty years. It's Tacoma Pierce County Black Collective. Um, you know, the our release date actually lines up on the day that we actually meet in person, um, which is the first Saturday of the month. And so you can you can count on the publication being available at the Black Collective first um, at the beginning of the month. Uh, I'm working with an organization called MLK Gandhi, and it's uh, going to be about training some of our folks to become proficient with, di with digital technology along with some Indian brothers and sisters. Uh, is that something that would qualify, just out of curiosity? Yeah, the, uh, yeah. so um, that might fall into a technical assistance bucket, especially as, it co uh, as, as, it, as it's related to asset building and those kinds of things. So there is a pot of funds that we set aside for technical assistance to be able to access the different applications that are available, those kinds of things. But we couldn't, we couldn't buy a building or anything like that, huh? Uh, yeah, you you absolutely could. Um, so that's a part of the funds. We we set aside funds not just for one-time consumables, 
And that, that's the thing. We wanted to make sure that the funding wasn't for one-time social service consumables, but actually helped us leverage the money that was available to purchase assets. So if there's a group that needs some additional bridge funding or some support to purchase a building or a piece of land or those kinds of things, that's what this funding is intended to do. Now, is there a uh, specific uh, uh, proposal format? Because I want to Bob and Lyle to be able to ask a question as well before you have to go. Is there a uh, access? Uh, do you have a, a link to uh, a proposal format? How does that work? Are you talking about for the grants? Yeah. Uh, that will that will be coming soon, but those those particular uh, funding in terms of lending hasn't been put out yet. Um, it is important to know that people, the different community groups, or at least a, a lead community group, should uh, start to organize by county because there's six counties that are prioritized for funding. And that's Pierce, King, Snohomish, um, Yakima, Spokane, and Clark County. Okay. And so it was, within that funding, yeah, if, if I could just say this real quick, Eddie, uh, with, with, within part of the funding that we set aside, was funding for a local implementation team. So every county we hope has a, a group um, like a black collective to think about how to um, support implementation. And that particular strategy has dollars associated with it to make sure that people are getting access to the information that they need so they can apply or to support the integration of the different programs that are available. Sound like NAMC to me, Bob. Uh, I wanna see if Lyle or Bob has a quick question before we have to go. I'll defer to you first, Bob, and I'll come after you. Uh, actually, Eddie covered uh, my question. It had to do with uh, facilities for uh, for nonprofits for community benefits. So thank you, Corbett. Uh, uh, Corbett, uh, one of the things I would hope that in your uh, uh, tutorials uh, around the community, that it is clear that the, the we, when you say we, <laughs> It's, 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 this is the state government's uh, uh, program, and, and they will um, do all the performers uh, with, with reference to that, and that each county has uh, an initial allocation. And so uh, it's not 200 million um, um, first come, first serve, best idea for the 17 programs, but uh, that each of those six counties that you identified has a uh, uh, a target amount of money that uh, they could uh, uh, engage with out of the two hundred million. Okay. Absolutely, yep. I, I, you will be a regular on here because this is uh, what exactly what we need to have this kind of information flowing. So, uh, while you're working on this, we want to have you on the air to keep our listeners informed. But at this time, I want y'all to hold up. We got to take a break. We should have uh, Dr. Brent Jones, uh, Superintendent of Seattle Public Schools, coming up. But before we take the break, Eric, I want to thank the Port of Seattle's Diversity Contracting Office, the SeaTac Bar Group LLC. They own the Africa Lounge and Mountain Room Bar and Concourse A at SeaTac, the City of Seattle's Purchasing Construction Services Department, Sound Transit's Office of Civil Rights, Equity, and Inclusion. Uh, the NAMC meets at five o'clock tonight. Also, a sad note. Uh, Tina Williams, the mother of Mark and Lauren Williams, was funeralized today. The entombment will be tomorrow at Washelli. Uh, also, I want to thank Kayla with the juror's office that helped me out 
Uh, I was going to be on jury duty on the 20th of this this month. I'm supposed to be in D.C. for the Black Caucus. So she postponed it for a year. So what we'll do is take this break and come back with Dr. Brent Jones, superintendent of Seattle Public Schools. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity and Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seataxhops.com. At Sound Transit, we not only connect more people to more places, we're making life better for all. We're connecting diverse neighborhoods to an entire region of opportunities, like jobs and school. If you have an ORCA card, you can just tap and go. We have reduced fares for seniors and riders with disabilities. For adults with lower incomes, check out ORCA Lift and pay just a dollar for your ride. To plan your trip or to learn more, visit us at soundtransit.org. Exploring new territory every day. This is Alternative Talk 1150. My next guest is uh, Dr. Brent Jones, superintendent of Seattle Public Schools. And uh, school started like yesterday and his hands were filled, but he he decided to give me a break and come on the air anyway. Uh, so, uh, Dr. Brent, how's everything going? Well, uh, Mr. Rye, uh, good afternoon. I'm glad to be on your show. Uh, anytime you call, I will show up, sir. And uh, it's really important to talk about uh, Seattle Public Schools. Uh, for the first time in a couple of years, we had a, a very smooth opening. We didn't have uh, COVID, COVID hanging over us. We didn't have uh, a, a labor stoppage uh, before our school year started. And this was a, a very smooth opening. We, had, uh, we have four new buildings. Uh, one is named James Baldwin. We're really proud of that. Uh, we have West Seattle, we have Viewlands Elementary, and we have uh, another school that's uh, all very fantastic. And so uh, I visited eight schools in the last two days, and, you know, all things look go. All things are go. What is, this, what is the population, the student population of Seattle Public Schools now? We're, we're about 50,000. Uh, we, we hover around 50,000, and we've had a a little bit of a decline in the last uh, couple of years. So we probably end up this school year with about 49, five. Mm-hmm. What do you attribute to the, the, the drop? Is that people moving out of the city? I know that uh, like now the city of Seattle is only 70%, 70% African descendants of the United States slave. I think there are more African immigrants in the city than there's uh, African-Americans. Yeah, we know that there's two main factors. One is uh, certainly affordability uh, and the central area and the south end of Seattle that uh, I grew up in and you grew up in is uh, very different. And part of that is due to, again, affordability. And then the fact that people don't, aren't having school-aged children uh, is another piece. And there there is rumor that we're losing students to private schools and charter schools, but that that's a very small fraction of the population. So it's affordability and uh, simply 
uh, people aren't having uh, enough babies that that are school age. Yeah, what well, that uh, they don't have the babies, they can't be can't be going to school. <laughs> now, the other thing is that you said mentioned that uh, are those four new school buildings that were built? Yes, and uh, they're they're uh, spectacular buildings, community driven, uh, very reflective of the of the students in those buildings and their families. Uh, and so we have uh, again four new buildings ranging from West Seattle to Northgate. Now, we had worked with uh, Assistant Ted Howard for a while, and some folks trying to make sure that some of our folks got to participate. I don't I haven't had a chance to talk to him late, but Bob and I had several meetings with him, so we would like to continue to pursue that. So uh, this year, uh, Superintendent uh, Jones, what do you see your major challenges being? So as I started at the beginning, I talked about the fact that uh, we have a, a very smooth opening to this school year. And one of the challenges that we always have are things that aren't school related that we're dealing with. Uh, for the last couple of years, we, we've been uh, public health experts. We've been public safety experts. We've been doing a lot of things that aren't related to teaching and learning. Uh, and this year, I'm fortunate enough to, to have a very clear runway to take off this year. We get to focus on uh, high quality instruction in the classroom. We get to focus on making sure our, our students have uh, the best instructors in front of them. And so uh, our challenges are consistent with the, the challenges that our city has regarding regarding safety. Uh, that's that's a number one uh, challenge that we have that we're trying to manage. Uh, as you know, uh, we're we're seeing some of the most uh, violent times in our city's history since since 1994. And those type of things are preventing some of our students to have a safe passage to and from school. But within our school walls, uh, we're, we're doing very well, but we, we're concerned about uh, how our students are moving around the city of Seattle uh, in spite of all the challenges that we're having. But uh, I'm pleased that this year we're not dealing with crisis, crises that we know of coming into this school year. We have an opportunity to really buckle down on uh, what we do best is that's teaching and learning. Well, you know, I have to admire you, too, because uh, the last year, the person you succeeded, uh, I think it kind of made a mess out of everything down there. And I know she was because uh, you were down there for a while, too, under Denise, you know, right? I, I was. And I this is uh, I've been at Seattle schools for about 10 years now and had uh, three different superintendents that I worked under. Yeah, but uh, she seemed to me that she got rid of all of the African-American males except for one. Yeah, well, you know, we we have. Uh, done a pretty good job of uh, one, bringing uh, a very diverse at, uh, number of principal school leaders back. Uh, we have uh, many African-American school leaders. Um, and so um, my cabinet, we have uh, a good population of African-American leaders as well. So I, I think we, we've recovered nicely and uh, we have people in position that uh, care deeply about our children and understand their plight, understand their walk, understand their needs, wants, and interests. And so uh, while those superintendents before me had the intent to bring forward uh, a, no a number of uh, diverse people in, po in positions of power, uh, we've been able to achieve that in the last uh, two and a half years since I've been here. I want to also ask, uh, some time ago, uh, there were some problems with the small business program, the school district, and uh, the small works uh, division was turned over to the unions. Is that still the case now? 
Yeah, well, we we have a uh, that is an area that we have a gap where we need to make sure that we have more opportunities for uh, small businesses, minority and women owned businesses. Uh, there's so much construction going on. Uh, some of those smaller contractors need to have that work, need to have access to that work, need to be coached and guided on how to have competitive and powerful and uh, bids on those on those works work projects. Uh, I do know some of the bigger contractors are uh, creating pathways and access to uh, get some of those subcontracts. But uh, in my opinion, uh, and data shows it that we're not where we need to be. And so that is something that uh, my administration has been working on. And as you mentioned, uh, Ted Howard has uh, done some good work and really trying to uh, till the soil a little bit to make that happen. But we're still far away from meeting a mark where we've had uh, enough access and winning bids for for the work. Now, you mentioned uh, the leaders of the schools. How many of uh, your uh, principals of schools are African-American? Uh, I don't know the number offhand, but uh, more than ever, I can say that for sure. And uh, our major high schools have uh, African-American leaders. We have uh, many of our middle schools that have leaders that, that are African-American as well. Uh, and I'd say about at least 10, 10 to 15 of our uh, 60 elementary schools have African-American leaders. And so we we have done a good job of uh, not only recruiting, but retaining uh, African-American leaders. Now, the, the, the black student population has gone down. What percentage of the, the district population now are African-American students? I mean, African descent. You know, I'm talking about because the city's only seven percent African American now. Yeah, so, so got to mean that 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 the student, black student population has gone down drastically. So between uh, we have fifty thousand students, and about uh, sixty five hundred of our students are African American, um, and we and I, I haven't broken that down between multi generational African American families and our and our African and East African families, but uh, we have about uh, 6,500 to 7,000 of our students that are African-American. And uh, what, what would you like, like to see, uh, a goal that you set for yourself for this uh, school year, what would those goal or goals be? So, you know, we've been, we've been leaders in talking about equity for the last uh, 10 years. We have a very bold strategic plan uh, we even had the audacity to center African-American uh, boys and teens to make sure that the system works on behalf of African-American uh, males. Uh, and we have the right program and we have the right attitude, but we don't have the right outcomes yet. And so I want to see some outcomes uh, that show that our, our young men uh, are thriving, that they're actually uh, meeting and exceeding the standards that we've set uh, for, for them. And so, uh, again, we have great intent, but we don't have yet the impact. And I think this is the year that we uh, we can all line up. We can all be uh, on the same page about what the system needs to do to yield better impacts for our African-American students. Uh, and because of that, we all win and we learn to have our system be stronger. And so I think we have a stronger system if those students who have historically been underserved, who have historically uh, not had educational justice, uh, get that justice. And our, our, we, we could show that our system is much stronger. So 
in the 23-24 school year, I'm expecting to see outcomes, not just a commitment, but actual actual outcomes. And in terms of working with the school board, uh, that's smooth sailing so far? Yes, I, the school board and uh, this, this superintendent, we are on the same page. Uh, I think some of the time, some of the, the rub that we have is we wrestle over the how. I think we all agree on the on where we need to go and what we need to do. Uh, and what, what's what's great about um, my time as superintendent is the board understands their role. Superintendent understands his role, my role, and the board sets the ends. I develop the means, and we all know this. And uh, that doesn't seem like a big deal, but that's been that's been very helpful for us to be able to uh, have even this this past uh, yesterday and today have a great start for school. Uh, we all know that the board sets policy. I set the procedure, uh, and we're all on the same page around who does what and what we need to do. What we need to do. So that role clarification has been a big deal for us to make sure that. Uh, we can start to make those gains and we can start to have those outcomes that I've talked about. Well, Dr. Brent Jones, I certainly do appreciate your time today. I appreciate the work you're doing and uh, whatever we can do to back you up. But we would be uh, Bob and I and Lyle, we got to get back with, uh, with, uh, with, with your sister, your deputy superintendent, Ted Howard, because I know he was in charge of uh, making the business arrangements and working with the contractors. So we'll be following up with him today as well. So thank yes, you Mr. Time. Wright, and, and and he's our accountability officer, and so he's he he says uh, what we're doing, yes or no, there's not any ambiguity about it. So we're either meeting the needs of the community or we're not. And Ted is a perfect person to be able to speak into that. So uh, I put him in that role, and I'm really pleased to have him there. So yes, as soon as we can get back together, let's let's make that happen. And uh, thank you, Mr. Wright, for your time today. And if, I may, and if I may, I'm looking forward to seeing your mother on Sunday, uh, Mr. Jones. And, yes, uh, yes. And so I'm matter, out. matter of fact, we just been joined by the lady that's responsible for all that, the Nisha DeBarla Band, the president and CEO of the Northwest African American Museum is on right now. So you got our connectivities around around uh, the computer here, uh, Lanisha. <laughs> oh, you know, unity unity is a beautiful race. thing. Yes, I, indeed. So I'll be there. I'll be there. I'll see you all. I'll see you all this weekend. Okay. Now, thank you all very right. much, Dr. Brent. We appreciate you. Thank you. Take care now. All right. My next guest is uh, the distinguished uh, president and CEO of the Northwest African American Museum, Lanisha DeBarlaban, who also was uh, co-emceed uh, the rally on August 27th at Holgate Street Church of Christ after uh, our permit was denied. Uh, for the march, even though the park department was working with us, they were setting up the park for the rally. So uh, we also had uh, made sure that the mayor and the mayor's staff knew about, uh, they were invited to all the Zoom meetings for three weeks in a row. And each one of the agenda items said march and rally. So, but they said, well, you know, you turned the permit in too late, so we couldn't acknowledge it. But anyway, uh, the people like the president of A. Philip Randolph, Gabriel Prawl, President of NAACP, Daryl Powell. Uh, we also had Kevin Allen and the union folks and the clergy. So we had the people that organized the 63 March. So it wasn't many people. But once again, we used to march down, down uh, Martin Luther King Jr. way. And in three blocks, we'd have two or 300 people because they lived in the neighborhood. 
But uh, we do have the whitest Martin Luther King Jr. Street in America of any large city. So, Alicia, uh, why don't you share with us what you're going to be doing with my guest, Lyle Quasim, on Sunday? So good to be here with you, Brother Eddie Rye and Lyle and Dr. Jones and the whole community. The Northwest African American Museum is delighted to honor four of our distinguished elders on what we call Elders Day, African American Elders Day. It's nationally known as National Grandparents Day. We are partnering with AARP and we are inducting four of our distinguished Black elders into the elder circle. Eddie, you know that this is something that the museum established uh, two years ago in 2021, when we had the son of Dr. King here to commemorate the 60th anniversary of Dr. King's 1961 visit to Seattle. Well, the museum established a new program called the African American Elder Circle. And these four honorees this year will become um, a part of that elder circle, and we will have inducted a total of 15 distinguished elders. And who are the inductees on Sunday at 2 o'clock? On this Sunday, September 10th at 2 p.m. at the Northwest African American Museum, we have the distinct honor and pleasure and delight of inducting these four distinguished elders. Dr. Mona Lake-Jones a poet extraordinaire, orator, educator, writer, distinguished community leader. We have the pleasure of inducting Brother Lyle Kwasim, who is the distinguished leader of the Black Collective of Tacoma, Pierce County, and is just a remarkable leader in every arena that he enters and in every door that he enters, he's leading. Uh, Sister Nana Kabibi Monet, who is an accomplished writer and storyteller, singer and director of the New Black Arts West, as well as inductee number four, Mr. Claude Perfect who is a union leader, a civic leader, uh, one of the uh, leaders of our uh, Seattle King County NAACP. These four elders will be inducted into the elder circle, which is a distinct um, honor uh, for individuals 75 and older in our uh, regional community who have led the way with love, in, in service to the liberation of our people, of our community, and in uplifting others as they climb, as they do what they do, they inspire others, they mentor others, um, they support others, and they speak truth to power. And we just wanna honor those elders on Sunday. So we invite folks to come out and celebrate them with us. So I wanna ask uh, one of the honorees, uh, Leader Lyle Kwasim to give up a comment about the honor that's being bestowed upon him on Sunday. You know, um, I am, um, I am, I am, I'm extremely moved. Uh, I have a, a, a lot of uh, of opportunities to be in a lot of places, and I've had so much help over the years. When I ever I receive something, it, it it's it's not an understatement that says. Um, uh, I've I, I've been blessed with hundreds and hundreds of people who suited up, showed up, came to play, 
and, 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 and made many of the things that we've engaged in successful. So I, I take all of them with me uh, through this process. And, and uh, I, I just, there's a, I love music and I would just say to you, um, my soul looks back in wonder. Thank you. All right. We thank you for your leadership, Mr. Kwasim. And uh, Brother Eddie Rye is one of the original honorees who was inducted in 2021. So the roll call of other elders include uh, Minnie Collins, Esther Mumford, Al Doggett, Emil Petrie, Dr. Carver Gayton, uh, Reverend Dr. Phyllis Beaumonti, Francis Carr, uh, Larry Gossett, Josephine Stokes, former Mayor Norman Rice, and the Eddie Wright Jr. Paul I've been telling people I'm 49. <laughs> <laughs> and you have to be over 75. I've been telling people I, I'm 49. But 81, 81 going on 49. Okay, I got you. But Lanisha, you're doing an outstanding job. We really do appreciate uh, all the stuff you're doing, the love you show, the way you bring the community in. And uh, uh, let's talk a little bit about the museum. It's open... Well, Wednesday through Sunday? Yes, absolutely. So we invite the public to come and experience this African-American museum where we're showcasing Black artists. We're featuring Black excellence. We are sharing Black literature. We have a community living room where people can just come and just be, be Black, be themselves, be together. Um, and uh, we have a variety of programs coming up even beyond the Grandparents Day. We have book talks. We have our Unity event. Uh, we're preparing for uh, Kwanzaa that will be held later this year, our Descendant Series. So there's always something for everybody here at the Northwest African American Museum. We're at the corner of 23rd and Massachusetts, and we invite folks to come. Now, are you still uh, having uh, people be able to rent out stuff for receptions or or repass or any kind of gathering like that? The museum is an available rental space. It's an important gathering space. We have free parking, you know, available parking. And it's a space where people can choose to uh, rent out and hold some of their most important gatherings, birthday parties, uh, funerals, memorial services, corporate meetings, family reunions, wherever people come together, NAM is a perfect venue for people to come together. Well, Lanisha, we certainly appreciate uh, the work you're doing, but we got to take this break so I can pay for this program, and uh, we'll be right back. Eric, can we take this last break? Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity of Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community, and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion, and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.ctacshops.com. At Sound Transit, we not only give people more reliable ways to get around, we're connecting diverse neighborhoods to an entire system of opportunities, like jobs, school, 
friends and family, and to the airport. Our commitment to economic development provides opportunities for women and people of color to compete fairly for sound transit contracts. All of this helps our regional workforce grow and thrive. Go to soundtransit.org and search DBE to learn more. Talk radio with a purpose. Alternative Talk 1150. Before we go back to these folks, I want to thank the Port of Sales Diversity Contracting Office, CTAC Bar Group, LLC, the City of Seattle Purchasing and Construction Services Department, Sound Transit's Office of Civil Rights, Equity, and Inclusion. Uh, the NAMC meeting is at 5 o'clock today. And Kayla, thank you for getting me through the jurors' process. And also condolences to Lauren and Mark Williams in the passage of Miss Tina Williams, who was funeralized today. She was quite a popular lady in the city of Seattle. So uh, we just got a couple more minutes. And you had, Bob, you had a comment you wanted to make? Uh, yes, just real briefly. The meeting's a very important meeting for the community today. Uh, our first presenter will be describing new state legislation designed to help uh, minority and black businesses to uh, compete for work with the state. The second presenter will be presenting a new program for many and micro businesses. It's a support program that for those of you that have been around is a, a kind of mini 8A program. So it's important for those that have been out, say single carpenters or individuals doing plumbing that have an interest in doing public work. This is an opportunity. So please, namcwa.com at five o'clock. All right. And Lanisha, you have uh, a grandparents day and uh, uh, folks are being inducted to uh, the elder circle on uh, Sunday at uh, 2 to 3 p.m. So we appreciate that. And we really appreciate the, this guy here on the screen that you're inducting, Mr. Lyle Kwasim. So uh, in one minute, what's the next big event you have coming up at the Northwest African American Museum, Lanisha? October 6th is our Unity Benefit, where we will be honoring Brian Carter, the Executive Director of Four Culture, and Vivian Phillips, founder of Art Noir. They're going to be our two champions of Unity honorees, October 6th at uh, 6 p.m. All right. We'll have you back on to talk about that. I want to thank Lyle Kwasim, Chair of the Comer Pierce County Black Collective, and inductee into the Elder Circle by NAM, uh, Bob uh, Armstead, Chair of uh, the National Association of Minority Contractors to Watch State Chapter. And uh, I want to thank Dr. Brent Jones for spending some time with us. So I will see you guys soon at 5, five o'clock, Bob. Lyle, get on there too, because we have to do something to get, make sure we get some equity out this whole thing. So thank you all very much for your time today and all the work you're doing. Appreciate you. So thank you, Eric. 